looking forward to it. Do you want it? Do you want to just talk about it? Do you want to talk about the thing, and then we can figure out if we we put it in or we leave it in, or or are we talking around the thing? Because I'm I'm willing to do both. Uh, do you mean that we hold you to account? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we may as okay. well get right into it, man. Yeah. Uh, well, just because I, I feel like first thing we do, I guess, is introduce ourselves because nobody has said anybody's name on this yet. <laughs> true. True. Uh, I'm Slava P. I am actually, you know what I, I think would actually be really interesting if we talk about uh, when we started working for Vice and when we got fired, because that is how we all know each other. Uh, so I am Slava P. I started working for Vice in 2013 and I got fired in February 2016 when I was 25 years old. <laughs> uh, I am Drew Millard. I started working for Vice in October 2012 and I quit Vice in order to not get fired in February 2016 when I was 25 or 26. Yeah, I can't remember. I turned 34 tomorrow. I feel weird. <laughs> well, happy early birthday, first and foremost. Thank you. Um, yeah, this is the greatest gift I will be getting, uh, is to reunite with you guys performatively on a video call. Uh, I'm Trey Smith. Freelancing since 2014. Hired full-time 2016. Fired November 2022 or laid off. Hey, man. I, guess, I guess there's a difference. What a fucking run, bro. Yeah. What a run. You, yeah, you were like, there's one person I know who is still there, but you, you lasted the longest and you also did the most things there. Yeah. Like only things I didn't do over there were probably like working in the IT department and the C-suite, but <laughs> yeah. How much beer do you think you sold? Like, how much beer do you think you were personally responsible for selling? Uh, significant amount. Significant amount. Did you do any SpawnCon? Yeah. Well, well, you know, speak of the devil, Coachella uh, was this weekend. And last year I went to uh, go hawk some Ray-Bans with the cameras in them. Oh, the Facebook ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what were they like? Can you recommend them? Uh, whoa, 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 no, no free sponsorships on Nersey. All right, they got to pay for that shit. You know what? You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. All don't take, is, don't give your opinion on anything that you could buy in stores. All I'm gonna say is they're definitely sunglasses and they definitely take photos. Okay, <laughs> that does like raise the possibility that this is like technology sourced from like DARPA or skunk works or whatever or mi6 from james bond man remember google glass like i really yes. wish that took off more oh, look, because it does the same shit what's up the fucking sand scanners with the uh yeah yeah i remember that shit yeah that shit was tight every time i saw someone with them at when i was like out i would always ask to take a picture with them um, and I, people did not appreciate it. Cause I think they kind of in their souls knew that it was bad. And like, that was sort of confirmation of that fact. 
you know what like is a big indicator of the future uh in in as far as like um guys who have been in jail since like 9-11 and then like a guard walks by and he has an apple watch that to them is like the scariest newest technology because they're like it's a fucking phone which they already don't understand but it's on your wrist so you know you it, it helps to keep things in that context cameras and glasses yeah cool but um pretty mediocre compared to a fucking phone on your wrist i can understand being completely terrified of that yeah like i mean like i've never done hard time but like working in music and stuff like the first time i had like heard hyper pop yeah it was like what the fuck is going on here yeah so who saw the news about our former employer who didn't see the news man talk of the fucking yeah. town yeah I had man like, thoughts and prayers i had like three or four people immediately text that to me i'm sure that that is a very thing that happened to both of you as well oh yeah especially since i'm like most recently uh i haven't been most recently uh let go from the company people were like damn man you leaving six months later and i was like that's right <laughs> well like it's it's not it, it's like a weird thing because it feels like vice has been in this like slow steady descent into death and this is just like another step along this like sort of death march business death march um because i think it's like by declaring bankruptcy it's almost like they've been trying to find like a buyer and it seems like by declaring bankruptcy they've come up with another way to like ask someone to buy them by now like saying a court asking a court to like order them to be sold um it's kind of like peppy le pew like in its persistence it's um well i think a big thing is because i forget who reported it it might have been like business insider or something but yeah, man, like, they owed the vendors, like, millions of dollars. Yeah, they stiffed yeah. the people. I think who... that's, like, what it is. Like, they don't want to have to pay that back while they're looking for a sale. So they're just kind of like, Michael Scott, like, I declare bankruptcy. And, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, it doesn't like... help that they never really made money. No, yeah. they made money. They just didn't make enough money. Did yeah, Vice it's... make money or, like, the the advertising arm of Vice made money? Because I mean, what was your budget? Um, I can I, I remember specifically at a seventeen hundred dollar budget a month for for Noisy Canada, and a lot of that came from like Budweiser. So once that sponsor left, or when we tried to like make the fucking TV channel, the budgets were not the same as uh, as they were. Yeah, it was. I don't remember what our budgets were off the top of my head, especially cause like towards the end of it, I wasn't working like as closely with editorial and stuff. And like, yeah. Also noisy was just lumped in with a bunch of other stuff editorially for a while. Like, I don't know if you remember when they were like one vice and it was like, what is, <laughs> okay. And like one vice basically meant like we spent way too much money, uh, with this TV channel and now we have to make it up other places. Like the TV channel was their big bet, which like, I don't know, like 
why you're starting a youth media company and you're like, we are where the forefront is. We are where our audience is. So we are going to start a cable channel that you can only buy on a pre- premium package. And like, it, yeah. Wait, it wasn't, I thought it was H2. I feel like H2 was, if not basic cable, like basic direct TV or whatever. Look, man, it costs more than $5 for streaming. That sounds pretty premium to me. <laughs> yeah, in yeah. Canada where they piloted it, it was a, a feature. It was an add-on feature for Fido Mobile at first with the intention of it being a dedicated channel run through Rogers, which doesn't say much because we have like five uh, sports channels, one of which just has like timber sports on 24 hours, right? Like there's a lot of uh, real estate in Canadian cable land. I mean, there's a lot but yeah, of stupid estate. idea. It's a fucking TV channel and you're supposed to be for the youth. Trey's absolutely right. It's stupid. The company was stupid. Nobody did anything right. Yeah, it hired some cool people. But other than that, maybe it really didn't deserve to have uh, a future. I mean, I think the issue is like the people that I worked with, which includes both of y'all, were like fantastic and great. But yeah, it, like I have friends from Vice who I'm still super close with. And I think that's a testament to, I don't know, something, maybe the fact to the that we people. All- yeah, to the yeah. fact that like it was a social company that like what Vice was, was what WeWork sold itself as trying to be. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a take. Yeah, I like it. yeah, that's that is a hot take. Yeah, noisy. But that, but, but you're absolutely right. Like, what what do you get out of it? You get the people. You get the friends. You get the social life, right? Like, uh, you know, twenty years from now, everybody's gonna lie to their kids about having worked at Vice. <laughs> I mean, I think that Vice kind of went wrong because they had they had the idea to like have other companies pay them to do stuff. And it worked pretty well. It worked well enough to convince like, you know, VC people or like Disney or ultimately private equity people. But they eventually hit this point where they had taken on so much money and then ultimately so much debt where one, they were like, oh, we don't need to get Intel to start the music website anymore. Uh, And they just also, it was like a hole. And it was like a game of like, pass the bag uh and as long as you're not holding the bag uh you don't have to look inside the bag and see that there's no money in the bag yeah and they started getting obsessed with traffic like that was really where it started falling off because originally they're a fucking like skateboard punk magazine that sells cool pictures and then they get addicted to traffic and then they hook up with facebook and they get even more traffic and then they're like, oh, well, that's what success looks like. We need more traffic. And that's why they get obsessed with, oh, we need Beyonce on Noisy. Yeah. It's like, yeah, ID got Rihanna. Why can't Noisy get Rihanna? And it's like, because ID is like a world-renowned fashion magazine and this, that, and the other. And like, Noisy was doing pretty well for itself at one point. But like, Rihanna wasn't the reason people came to Noisy, you know? Like we yeah. we kind of prided ourselves on being there first, and once like you know Rihanna's doing stadium tours and shit, that's not us being there first. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, they got Rihanna. I tried to like. Oh, there was a whole Rihanna party for ID back when uh 
we still had that villain space. What? RIP to that too is squash courts now, which is just kind of a great metaphor for Williamsburg, but at least it's not at least it's not pickleball. Oh! <laughs> Honestly, I would not be surprised if they're playing that shit in there too. Well, also, like, there was like this certain period between, uh, you know, when Vice started, Gavin McInnes is there, and that guy, Nersey exclusive, he's bad. Um, and they like kicked him out, and then there was this period when they like weren't really trying to get traffic. They were just trying to do fun stuff. And that was like the good period, but that's also completely unsustainable. Uh, that's also the period when people were making like 25 grand a year though. So 32. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I started at 24. Um, I worked my way up to 28. So, you know, once you start paying people like, above the poverty line like that's when you really gotta like tighten your belt you know organizationally um drew can you tell the taxi chip story what's up one of y'all trey you go oh no i was just saying like but to drew's point it's like you either pay people above the poverty line and you gotta like tighten up the belt or you just don't take a hundred million dollars out in stock options so that your employees who are making all the shit that's making you rich can keep making the stuff and also eat. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I'm I not, mean, like, like I said, I'm not a big MBA business brain or whatever. So. Well, all right. Well, I, I have an idea for a foolproof business, and all you need is a passport. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, I'm in. Um. I mean, I think a good business strategy is not buying is not paying yourself like multiple hundreds of millions of dollars and then buying the house from entourage. But it's such a cool house. It's, it's such a cool house. Iconic, iconic scenes from that show. What do you mean, man? Yeah, I know. I know it had a pool in the basement where turtle like did something that's probably illegal um yeah i mean it would have been better if like he had bought the house and like he himself did not live there and just let everyone hang out there or had that been the office that like a we work like a we work yeah and like you know hire jane's addiction to just like stand in the lobby and play the entourage song on a loop um but yeah, I don't know. I I do think that like the idea of chasing traffic is it's dead. Um and potentially the new thing is just if you were a media company, just like cultivating a vibe and hoping that people like somehow give you money. I don't know. You think like people are gonna subscribe to Semaphore for the vibe? I think this is now the age of just like individuals. Well, y'all know that one newsletter, Blackbird Spy Plane or whatever? Yes. Yeah. I mean, they're strictly like, shout out to them, man. They're like just 110% vibes and it seems to be working out very, very well for them. Yes. Uh, Maybe that's also part of the move too. It's like, yo, we're really about to live in a Substack age. Yeah. Also to that logic, being completely inscrutable seems to be important. 
because I don't what know. What do you mean, like, never is. having done anything wrong? No, no, no. Inscrutable is in, like, you read Blackbird Spy Plane, and you're just like, I have no idea what this sentence is actually saying. It's just, like, it's only vibes. Oh, yeah, it's provocative. It gets the people going. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Are you bullish on vibes? Dude, it's, vibes have never been more important and ever man like it's look at what a data-driven world's doing to us yes um i believe we're actually in a new astrological era where things are like less logical um i don't know if that's true but i feel like emily told me that a while ago um and if that is the case then yeah there's got to be something on that going on over here hold on Okay. I think people just kind of overrated how valuable their data is or just data in general. Like we were so data driven and like, where did it get us? Like we've had all the numbers for like 20 years and what did we do with them? We elected a fucking Cheeto, Slava, Nerzy, resistance podcast. So Emily was right. Um, We are, if we're not currently in it, we're pretty close to the age of Aquarius. Okay. Oh, sick. Yeah. Aquemini, man. That's like one half of Aquemini. <laughs> yeah. Astrologers believe that an astrological age affects humanity, possibly by influencing the rise and fall of civilizations or cultural tendencies. Traditionally, Aquarius is associated with electricity, computers, flight, democracy, freedom, humanitarianism, idealism, modernization, nervous disorders. Okay. Uh, rebellion, nonconformity, philanthropy, veracity, perseverance, humanity, and irresolution. Okay. Man, ChatGPT wrote that. Yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> is that better or up? worse? Is that better or worse than the age that we were in? Do we think? Let me see what the age of Pisces was talking about, because that's apparently the one we were in. Okay. Okay, so the age of Pisces defines the time when he, where human beings. Okay, hold on. Okay. The age of Pisces defines the time when human beings engage more than ever in the matters of the soul. The ideas of human transcendence, dissolution of the self, and connection to a higher ideal consolidated in the collective consciousness and took shape in various forms. The birth of Jesus Christ, the founding of the church, and the establishment of one fundamental religion were a few great marks of this time, which influence human life today. Wow. Wow. You know what fish means in jail? Probably same. something crazy. Probably something we're going to have to cut out, but go ahead. Yeah, the same thing it means in Jamaica. Ah, okay. What? Use, you, use your context clues. and your Context clues, yeah. Oh, okay. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Okay. Um, so, okay, so we have Jesus for the age of Pisces. And for one of these fucking tech bro losers for the age of Aquarius. No, nah, dude, we got Nerzy as that's like that's gonna save everything. Um, Man, I hope we do, goddamn. Yeah. Back to like this vibes versus data thing. Like, where did it all go wrong? Because I feel like you do need kind of a balance for it because like yeah, but data shouldn't be making every single decision for you. Um, yeah, I mean, and maybe yeah. vibes should be making money. I feel like you should be able to monetize vibes, but responsibly. 
Because like that's, that's just kind of like what being a working artist is or whatever. Yes. Um, and I also think that like, you know, the people like in the past like three months, everyone, including me, has just started using the phrase like low interest rate society and how we are no longer in it. And like what that essentially means is like because interest rates were low, there was no point in keeping your money in the bank. So if you were like a retirement fund, you would give your money to a VC who would just like throw money at people in the hopes that one of the things ends up being like Uber. Um, Which also like, doesn't make any money. Yeah, but it's getting there. Um, <laughs> Dude, like it's been fucking. <laughs> yeah, according to the fucking adults in the room. Yeah. Yeah, it's like we're just around the corner, man. And. So it's like all of these, all of these like wacky things, including digital media, were getting funded. And like, you know, when you are interfacing with like Silicon Valley people, you have to have something that they can like really sink their teeth into. And I feel like that's where the focus on data came from. Um, that might be too granular. It's also just like if you have data and you're like, well, our traffic grew from 1 million views to 5 million views in two years. So you can extrapolate that out from 5 million views uh, to 20 million views in the next five years. That means in five years, our company will be worth, you know, four times what it is now. And you can extrapolate that out to like, you know, 10 years down the line. And suddenly you're able to say, oh, this company is, you know, we might only be worth $10 million now, but in 10 years, we're going to be worth $160 million. And we have the data to prove this. Um, yeah, I guess the thing that they didn't consider was that people grow up with the company. And a lot of the people who were like big fans of Vice when they're 16 are now not big fans of Vice, but they're now big fans of like, Matt Walsh or someone else at the Daily Wire, <laughs> you know. Well, except those who those of us who are, Vice got woke, man. Oh my gosh, got woke, man. But literally, like, got woke. Drew, do you remember how many times we would post on Noisy Facebook and people would be like, "Man, Noisy fell off," and it's like the site is only a year old. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, there was like, also love to say that. There was also this weird disconnect where, like, you would have people who were, like, super into the Vice YouTube channel where they're, like, we're going to airdrop a fucking hipster into, like, you know, the jungle and they're going to fight a snake and then, like, get high off a frog. And that appealed to, It's one of like, my favorite episodes. Yeah, I know. It, it starred me. Um... And that that appealed to a certain type of person who is probably less predisposed towards caring about like uh, you know woke stuff. And so I feel like they had Vice had accidentally created two audiences, and one of them just hated woke stuff. <laughs> And the other one could be easily lulled away, which is why CNN tried to do their own version of Vice, but they would like, instead of sending Action Bronson somewhere, they sent fucking Stanley Tucci. Wait, they, they sent Tucci? 
What were the, they what sent was Stanley doing? Tucci on a tour of uh, Italy to like find the best pasta? I think. Whoa. I don't really like know what people are. Hang on. Okay. Tucci. But I mean, like that's just yeah, like searching that, for that Italy. Exploratory journalism is like Vice really did kind of pioneer that in a way where it wasn't just like we're sending somebody over there to do some very various war, like serious war reporting. It's like. Hey, man, so in Japan, they got this juice that gets you really fucked up. So, like, we sent this dude from Kansas to go try it out. And it's like, okay. Yeah. And it was, like, yeah. compelling as shit somehow. Or, like, yeah, they we're going to send Baby Ball 69 into the middle of Atlanta and make him very uncomfortable around black people. And, uh, yeah. I mean, let, me they also... let me rephrase that because it's not fair to him. <laughs> We're going to send him to Atlanta or Chicago and have him around like trappers and fucking street dudes and stuff, which from, I don't know about his past, but I don't think that's where he's from. Or like, yeah. I was actually the backup, like break glass in case of emergency, noisy Atlanta host. Uh, and there was like a week where like, I thought that I was going to have to go do it because the other guy like had a prior commitment and I was like, all right, cool. I've never been on a camera before. I've been told I blink too much. You know, I will maybe... say, I will say one thing not to cut you off, but a uh, no. fun fact, the vice live show um, was actually something that Alistair had uh, me and D and Taji pilot for digital. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, it's a TV show with like nobody who works at Vice. Of course, yeah. Um, Ezra Koenig playing piano in the in the lobby, etc. Yeah, well, that that was like literally my first week advice when uh, we were supposed <laughs> to be covering we were covering golf ball and shit. Oh yeah, yeah. And then like the last day, uh, rained out, so we had to do like that weird live stream in the lobby. Oh yeah, that's and that uh was. yeah, and uh Dan Meyer was like, "Who the fuck is that playing the piano?" And everybody's like, "Dude, that's Ezra Koenig." He's like, "Ezra Koenig, shut the fuck up." <laughs> Dan had like a legendary moment that weekend, right? Like he was on camera with like a comedian, and some comedian like kept. Oh uh, like, no, it was a dude who was like a producer at Vice at the time. Okay, and he was like putting a condom on a microphone, and Dan was just like. <laughs> Yeah, the screenshot of that was so fucking funny. I can hear like when I see that screenshot, I can hear it. <laughs> yeah, Dan, legendary individual. Um, it was just like they really just like put a lot of fucking. I mean, she like Nancy came from a TV background, so she was like, I can make TV work, and it's like, I think taking like a well-established TV brand and trying to create a new one are like definitely different things yeah it's, it's like just because you're like a good point guard doesn't mean like you're gonna be a good post player you know you, yeah. they're not like really like uh necessarily interchangeable and uh, like yeah and like amc also had it had a pre-existing sense of scale where you know people knew what AMC was. And so if they were like, Hey, we've got this show about people driving trucks across the ice. It's called ice road truckers. Uh, 
you know, you at least like know that it's on AMC or whatever the fuck it was on. <laughs> yeah, it was what's yeah, I was like TV company up there, Rogers or whatever. Or... Rogers, yeah, exactly. So it was a pilot project for Rogers, and it just never took off. Um, but yeah, I mean, RIP though. But you know what's really funny is the uh, the former Vice Canada office is now the TikTok office, and there was just like a chunk of the TikTok office where the Vice team works out of. But that's, that's like, it's a how much of a better metaphor do you need? The pivot to video is so complete. They just have some sign in the, so they have some neon sign in the background of, of better days. What kind of losers do that, bro? Wow. Man. So like Vice, <laughs> Vice works out of the TikTok office? Yeah, so tic- TikTok came. And took Vice's office, and now Vice works out of the TikTok office. Wow. That's in Canada. Canada. That's so sick. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're trying to fight, figure out what the algorithm is doing, man. All you got to do is, like, spy on somebody. Yeah. Drill a hole in you the know, conference room so you could like, listen to the other one. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird because TikTok was, like, not a huge – it was, like, coming up when I was uh, going in. But then um, I didn't think it would become like the most dominant platform in the world. Yeah, it, well, I mean, like you know, it's China. You know, what put, does that mean, Trey? It means they're putting government money behind it, man. According to you know Joe Biden and Donald Trump and all of them, like this is a tool of war or whatever. Of course, they're going to put a lot of money towards making sure it works. Um, should should we ban TikTok? No, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We should ban more things. Okay, listen, here's my idea. Every country gets its own TikTok. And you can't look at anything in any other country's TikTok. So and that, every country has its own social media platform that does, like, everything. But that's the thing, and man. Those, like, Asian countries have, like, the best TikTok, like, cultures and stuff, man. Like, there's this one uh, dude who... I don't know if there's something going on in him or what, but he does these cooking TikToks where he just takes like handfuls of things and throws them in the pan and all. And he makes this huge fucking mess. He cooks all his food over like an old oil barrel that he lights on fire. <laughs> like, yeah. It, yeah. I, and I don't think Americans would have had that idea. Every time I see like an English speaking cooking TikTok, they're like fucking the food or whatever. But that's fine. <laughs> something should just be a mystery to us. Like you shouldn't have to know about that guy. You know, if you want to know about that guy, you should get on a plane and travel. That's the only way you should be able to experience other countries' TikToks is by going there. But yeah, it seems like it seems like the like quote unquote cool things now are like agencies. Like there's the agency no agency, and then like I don't know. I feel like I feel like convincing people, convincing companies to just pay you to tell them what is cool is like the new thing or maybe that's always been a thing yeah it's called consulting yeah that's what vice was right or they had they would do like campaigns with people yeah Um, like vice reported on what was cool like it showed you what was cool going on like consultancy is just kind of like yo you should make this yellow give me 30 grand yeah i'm like really trying to get into that um i I have a a friend who does it and 
he can just tell people whatever and they're just like damn but he was like telling me stuff to do with my book and like i i every time i was like holy shit yeah okay he didn't say make it yellow but he did say that i had to make a hat that says golf's favorite on it because apparently that's good that's good yeah yeah um because apparently that's the cool hat now is god's favorite Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, Trey. What are the cool hats in uh, New York City now? Uh. Well, summertime's coming out, so we're gonna see some buckets. Okay. Like the furry kangles. I don't know if they're on their way out or whatever, but that was a pretty popular hat for a while. Mm. Especially like the bigger, the better. Okay, that makes um, sense. Don't know if it counts, but like the luxury do rags have been holding strong for a few years. Okay. What what else? Let me just look out my window real quick and what's a cool hat. Do you guys think it would be weird if I like started wearing a weave? Yeah, it would be yes. a little weird. Yeah. But like, what if I uh, got a head tattoo? Um, that would be cool. Yeah. Decisions. Hank Hill does that in a King of the Hill episode. Um, did you get a head tattoo? Is that what you're asking? I haven't seen the back no. of your head in several years. No, if I were to get a head tattoo, it would be of hair. <laughs> um, well, you know but you I just want to know why I can't wear weave. Well, weave like kind of requires you to already have hair. Like what you're thinking of is a wig. Yeah, like a Marge Simpson style weave. Why do you keep calling it weave? <laughs> Because you weave your fingers through it. Oh, I see. Uh, I actually a know wig a guy. is like a prop, you know, like a Marie Antoinette wig. No, nah, wig is like they have the. Uh, oh, yeah. Have you not seen the uh, replacement hair things where like you go to the barber and it costs a few grand and they just like slap some glue on your hair head and there's like a cap they pull over it and let it sit and then and then they still shape it up according to what your head's hairline looks like it should be. How long does it last? Which, which does, uh, last, well, it costs like five to 10 grand or some shit. So it should hopefully last a while. But you yeah, this is also something reported on by Vice News. RIP. Damn. Well, RIP. Vice News is still around? I mean, it's all like, it's all operating in very limited capacity. <laughs> but Well, that's my question. Is like, what IP do they have to sell once they put everything up for auction. Well, I mean, like, I think Munchies is still a very, very strong brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Noisy, somebody can do something cool with Noisy. Motherboard, they just kind of, like, sucked into Vice News. Waypoint's yeah. going out, and, like, I think... Waypoint was, like, a very, very unique type of video game uh, vertical, where, like, it was political, but in the right way and stuff. Like, Waypoint was very, very well thought out. I thought it was one of the best-run verticals there. Like, that's yeah. the thing. It's it's not about these things stop being cool. It's they stop being profitable because, like, the place was being run by people who, like, might not know what the cool music is or, like, probably didn't pick up a video game controller to play anything but Pac-Man in the past 30 years or, like, yeah. But there is money out there. I guess that's kind of what the most disconcerting part of all of this is to me, is that at one point they had their finger on the pulse of where the money was. And now it's not like there's less money. They just don't have it anymore. Well, it's 
that's just a big part of like how Google and Facebook slash Meta, whatever we're calling them now, um, how they just kind of like ate up the entire internet ad uh, market. They control yeah. like, if not the whole thing, pretty close to the whole thing. And um, mm. yeah, after like people are like, yo, we could pay to like specifically do a campaign with you or we could just feed ads through Google and stuff and like, you know, play the SEO game. Sure, also- sure. But, but like, you know, the Daily Wire is still a very successful company to the point where they were throwing around $50 million contracts. I mean, even Joe Budden doesn't get $50 million contracts and they were giving that shit to fucking Steven Crowder's bitch ass. So well, there's because, money. That's because the Daily Wire is a very, very important uh, right wing kind of like mouthpiece. And we all know who's funding the Daily Wire. The Daily Wire isn't a media company so much as it's a front. Yeah, a lot of those places do get subsidized by right wing billionaire tax write off organizations. And like, which one's the right wing billionaire? Uh, the Cook brother. There used to be two of them. Um, I mean, basically guy... all of them, I think, is what Slav is asking. But like, no, yeah. like Soros is the one that's on the left, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm, then I'm, Coke I'm... is the one on the right, and then Thiel. Yeah, Coke, Thiel, um, Mercer. Murdoch. Murdoch. Oh, right. Well, he's Australian, so and he oh, also wait. owns part of Vice. So like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listen, a, yeah. So fuck. A good portfolio has counter counter programming to make it. You got to diversify like, your bonds, man. Yeah. Um. I mean, yeah, and also like, you know, those places they have less competition, um, and also their audiences are quite frankly older. Ergo, they are on Facebook, and they are also very willing to buy fear based products. Well, that's my other question is who even advertises anymore? It's online gambling websites and dick bills. And and like colonial silver companies and stuff. Um, yeah, that's true. Silver and gold. Yeah, my pillow dude. Yeah. My pillow, yeah. My pillow is the biggest advertiser on Fox News. Um, okay, but let's not act like every other leftist podcast isn't sponsored by a mattress company. <laughs> yes. Well, I think that you have like ads that focus on or you have advertisers focusing on like sort of demographics. Like if you're a mattress company and uh, you do want to reach someone who has a podcast because they have, you know, they clearly have time, which sort of implies disposable income, which implies they need a fucking mattress. Um but yeah, it's all it's all bad. We're none of us are ever going to get jobs again, except for Slava, who has a cool job. Um, yeah, dude. I mean, listen, anybody can really be a welder. It's not it's not super difficult. I think the problem is just like I don't know. You think that because you had this like job, you you have to like have another job that is similar to the job you had, and uh, part of like. The, beauty of going to jail was like it's a very definitive chapter end right like i'm not really under uh the illusion that like everything is supposed to continue on the same trajectory i'm supposed to take a huge l that's like what going to jail is all about i'm not gonna lie i have brought up like the 
New York like work program uh website and they got some cool shit going on. They got like okay. a yeah, they got like a legal weed industry course. So it's like a ten week course. Whoa. Yeah, so I I don't know. Because, I like, mean, yeah, I'm, I don't know, like, you know, I'm getting older and I'm not trying to be, like, 40-something, like, if I have a family or whatever and stuff, like, doing this shit every three years, like, hopping around at different places. Eventually, I just got to bite the bullet and take the job at Newsmax. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you can really, you can age into a Newsmax job in a way that you can't uh, in, like, in, like, Zoomer media. Oh, man. I do kind of wonder, like, with all these new, like, the OANs and the Newsmaxes and stuff, and, like, these new, like, right-wing media places popping up that are kind of, like, what Vice and BuzzFeed were supposed to be on that side. Like, when does this start happening in the right-wing media? I mean, I do – I genuinely think they have a comparative advantage because the audience is older and – they get their news from Facebook and they also get their news from the TV and the product that David Roth made a joke about this recently in a PC wrote about Tucker Carlson, but like the fundamental message of those networks is you should stay inside and keep watching the TV because it's fucking terrifying out there. Yeah. But what I'm saying is I wonder like, cause we have what about like six, seven, eight of those right now. Yeah. What happens when it's like, 36 37 38 because you only got 24 hours in a day um then we will be truly free all right um yeah then we can all just sort of like admit that we should have like just gone to community college and learned to trade instead of trying (laughs) to be like professional cool guys it was fun while it lasted yeah well yeah. anyway you know peace to everybody still left over there and these places and yeah man you know which yeah we're all gonna hopefully be fine let me knock on wood it's scary out here right now yeah i was kind of i was kind of almost hoping darkly like when the silicon valley bank thing happened uh part of me was like oh my god is this gonna be the big one and just like the economy completely collapses and no one has any money and we can just like all do like random jobs and like no one will feel like any pressure to like get back into media or whatever. Oh man, the way I would become a candlestick maker so fucking fast. <laughs> Candlesticks. Yeah, man, we don't have electricity. People are gonna need candles. That's true. You sell you sell shovels during the gold rush instead of panning for gold. You don't sell fire in the post capitalist stone age. You sell the candles. Yeah. But um, uh, yeah, speaking Baba. of, uh, speaking of the clash, between, y'all want to move on to the next thing? Or? Oh, hell um, yeah, bro. Yeah, How long are we talking anyway? Like 40, uh, 45 minutes, minutes 45 minute eulogy bro holy shit i wouldn't even give like uh, a family like a like a close family member that much time on the pulpit <laughs> and That's we do awesome. have well, when they have like certain pokemon in certain parts of the world that's exactly what i'm thinking of okay. yes okay 
Slava, do you have, are there Canadian specific Pokemon? Slava's like really into Pokemon. That was like the main thing he has done after getting out of jail. No, like not just since getting out of jail. Like when I was on the run in Montreal, I was heavy into Pokemon Go culture. That's actually what started it again because they're heavy into it in Montreal. And it's just a good way to meet people. But mm. uh, shout out to Bossos who actually beat the game. Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He got to the end of Pokemon Go. Yeah. He's level 50. It's very hard to do. What? You can yeah. beat Pokemon Go? Well, you can. You can I mean, they're gonna they keep releasing Apple. new Pokemon that you have to catch. But, like, they don't have all, like, first of all, there's a thousand Pokemon now. More than a thousand. I think, like, a thousand four or something. Yeah. I don't like that. And, well, it's, yeah, think about how much harder it is to, like, remember their names. But yeah. it's honestly, like, the battle system in the actual games now is so complex because there's so many, like, facets to remember. They can hold items. They have abilities. There's, like, you could change the battleground. It's insane. It's, like, people are really chimping out over chess, and everybody's talking about, ooh, I'm so good at chess. Who gives a shit, okay? No, no, Pokemon no. Chess battles. is tight. Chess is tight. No, I fuck to, chess, bro. Chess is overrated as hell. No, no, no. One of my one of my best friends is a uh, professional chess coach and a professional chess podcaster. Um, shouts out the Chess Feels podcast. Um, so you can't say anything bad about chess. I will defend chess. I have never played it, but it's tight. Trey, how do you feel about chess? I think chess is other people's business. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a lot of games out there, and um, you know, chess is like, I like games that you look cool playing, even if it is nerd. Like Yu-Gi-Oh! It's, that's one. Yeah, nah, but like over, uh, I got really into pool over the past few months while I've been, uh, while I've been mm. playing. Yeah. It was like, yeah, I've just had like a lot of time. And it was like, okay, well, let me, you know, let me just go like hit a bar at 6 p.m. and drink some seltzers and bitters and play pool for a few hours. Do you play for money? Nah, just like bar world stuff. Okay. Yeah, because if you got a whole like the- you got a whole bunch of drunk people around, and especially like in Williamsburg, it's gonna get a little weird. People yeah. Um, it's pretty easy you- to look good playing pool because you just have to hit it hard. If you hit it hard, oh, it, it looks like you know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. There's like all sorts of stuff. Like I love getting that little kiss shot when you just have to like scrape the ball. And it goes, mm. like, yeah, like all sorts of math and stuff going on, but you look so cool doing nerd shit. Yeah. What are what are other acceptable games to you, Trey? I'm really fascinated by this. Um, I think Backgammon is on the list. Okay. What? Yeah. Uh, most card games, especially Spades. Okay. Yeah, I and actually, I'm gonna say not poker. Wow. Okay. Yeah, poker is like weed now and that it's just become so mainstream and you can do, you know, you can make some good money playing poker, but you also got the guys who like have their hoodies all the way up and the glasses on and it's like, you can't read my face at all. It's like, you coward. Yeah. <laughs> what are you trying to hide so much? Yeah. Um, you ever played Big Two? Hmm? You ever played Big Two? Nah. How you play Big what Two? Is- what is big? It's two? also known as Chinese poker, although I don't know if that's just what they call it in jail. But uh, it's pretty much like poker, except you have to you have to uh, find the hand in your hand and then play it down. And the, the goal is to run out of cards. 
it's a stupid game. And if no one's played it, I'm probably not describing it well. So let's just cut this part. Let's just cut, 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 cut. Just cut this. This is okay. embarrassing. This is embarrassing. Okay, yeah. now future, future episode where we do a big investigation on Big Two. Oh, yeah. Yes. Big Two, yeah. Uh, I When I was in jail and I would be talking to like uh, people with substance abuse problems because, you know, um, they need someone to talk to too. But they're also like, man, they got some good stories. But anyway, I would always, they'd be like, yo, you ever done Coke? I'd be like, yeah, of course I've done Coke. And then their second question would be like, did you ever bang it? And I'm like, what does that mean, bang it? They're like, you know, like inject it. And I'm like, no, never. No. They're like, oh, then, you, then you've never done Coke. <laughs> cocaine hipsters? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, these guys are like, no, it's way better when it goes right into your bloodstream. Jesus. Oh, no, you've never done the proper traditional preparation of it. Like, don't tell me you've done ayahuasca before. Like, no. <laughs> you weren't in the woods. You weren't infringing on someone else's habitat and culture. Like, no. <laughs> you just got a root in the mail. Um, I'm, I'm completely going to seed what Slava is about to say because I happen to know a good story of this. But Slava... Uh, did you ever have to fight in jail? Or like, what do you have? Man, I don't know. I don't want to put this story up. Ah, well, wait, did we hold? Ah, it's not a good story. That's a problem. But yeah, okay, set it up. Or what are like the most like, you know, American jail style experiences that you had? Okay, so the perfect example. Have you ever seen the show 60 Days In? No. No. It's on A&E, which you get in jail, and okay. it's about an American jail in America where they've put some people who are like former police officers or just normal civilians, and they put them in jail to see if they could make it for 60 days. What? What? So everybody and you're doing in jail competing for money? No, no, no. There's no money involved. <laughs> This is like the purpose of this is that so they could identify points where they can improve the facilities because you get out and then you rat to the warden and you're like, boom, this is what I was able to do. There was actually one guy who came in and he started running things. <laughs> and what? Yeah, bro. It's a good show. But check this out. This show takes place in like an American style prison. Now, provincially, so kind of like our state facilities are built after uh, American-style prisons. So when you're in provincial jail in Canada, you are more or less in the same type of jail that you would be in in America. You have mm -hmm. the same fucking cells, orange jumpsuit, uh, octagonal tables with those uncomfortable benches, pretty much like a one-to-one -one clone. Mm -hmm. But I was only in that facility for like 17 days, and then I went right to federal because my charge is a federal charge. But uh, to go back to it, that show being really big in jail in Canada, at the federal level, made people believe that they were running a similar show in Canada. And they started accusing people of being on 60 Days In. <laughs> oh, my God. In Canadian prison because of a show they saw at A&E. So this was just like... That's set in, like, Louisiana. What? This was like a psyop to keep you all from, like, organizing and stuff. No, that's the craziest thing. There's like full prison unions and shit. They're actually pretty well organized. But uh, 
that's like the thing is like you get paid in jail, but part of it goes towards the union and like the union pays for cable. That's why you have such a good cable package. The union fought for that shit. I, I love like the idea of turning to prison and like Salem during the witch trials and shit. Yeah. Like, well, he's a witch. He's a witch. Like, yeah. You know how you keep that from happening is something called the paperwork party. Okay. And there's a, there's actually a babyface Ray song called Paperwork Party. It has Jack Harlow on it, but just like fight through it. <laughs> um, <laughs> the idea being like you get a, you get like full scap paperwork with your charges on it, and you're supposed to carry that on you. And like if anyone asks like why you're there, you can always show it to them. Because uh, if you're like a pedophile or a sex offender, there's shit on there that you don't want people to see. Mm. Um. So that was like really the biggest one. But to go back to your your question of what's the most American jail experience, it's people thinking that they're in American jail to the tune of like there being an A&E show filmed there. Because that was happening like season four of 60 Days In, people start to understand what's going on, right? Oh, prisoners wow. are like, <laughs> Prisoners are like, no, we get A&E in here too, eh? Like we see the show. But that makes sense. That paranoia makes sense in the States where that show is being filmed. It doesn't make sense in Canada. Um, wait, Trey, what? How did you in New York deal with COVID? Because like it seems like all of my New York friends were just like, ah, whatever. Um, um, I was pretty good about it, and then the summer came, and it was like, oh wait, we could like go outside and like socially distance with people, and like that's when the city kind of got out of hand. But at the same time, it was like the people who left were. It was like oh, these were most of the bad vibes in this city. Mm. Like, people who, like, had no concept of community or anything like that, who were just, like, there to, like, take and take and take. And, like, once you couldn't go to shows anymore, you couldn't go to the bar. It was like, well, there's no point in me being in New York City. Mm. Yeah, and it's like, nah, I mean, like, if you have family and friends, you need help. It also yeah. feels... What? I was just saying, like, no, if you have family and friends who need help and, like, you're all going to look out for each other and all, like, yeah, it's... No, having, like, connections to people is a good reason to stay in the city, but I do understand people who had, like, dogs and kids or whatever, and they were just like, I need to go get more room and, like, like you know, my family's safe and shit. It's like, yeah, man, go back out to the suburbs or, like, fly back to Kansas or wherever they are. <laughs> but, yeah. I was just going to, uh... I was just going to bar and like doing a pickup order every Saturday loading up mm. and going home and watching a wild amount of TV and at the time the place I stayed had a roof deck so I mean, oh, that's yeah that's big um yeah. I feel like pans 7 p.m every day banging pots and pans to support yeah. the essential workers yeah and it was like at some point everybody just stopped I think everybody, I, I think like people legit thought that this was going to be like a month, month and a half tops. Everybody's just got to stay inside and it'll go away. Bar yeah, I remember. So, mm. I remember that time. Like it almost felt like, oh, great. We, the millennial generation, we finally have like our thing. Like it's like we are London when it's getting bombed by the Nazis and like, it'll last a summer and then we get to win and feel like really proud of ourselves. And that's just not how that worked. Nope. 
I was in fucking the grocery store, like Barry Sanders with my cart, man, avoiding people. <laughs> yeah, doing spin moves and shit. And then I was just like, oh, we're just going to have to live with this for the rest of our lives. Sick. Yeah. Sick. Oh, this mutates? Oh, even cooler, man. Yep. Yeah. The I new variation that. is apparently called FU, which we should cut because that is not, that's something that a lot of people have said. Um, Slava. I know, so we'll get that little sticker on our podcast being like, find out the facts about COVID-19. Put the fucking yep. disclaimer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, if we get community noted, uh, that'll be huge. Um, what was, what was COVID in jail like, Slava? It was weird because it like started happening in the outside world and it didn't really hit jail until about um, May or June, by mm. which point it had already like shut down. I think Italy shut down in um, like, honestly, do you know when we knew COVID was bad in jail when they canceled the NBA? Oh, oh yeah. We're like, oh, this is a real thing. Like, look, look how seriously they're taking it. So, uh, the other thing about jail is a lot of people like they don't like to follow the rules, so they're like, I'm not wearing no fucking mask, okay? Like, you can't make me wear a mask, you can't do anything about it. <laughs> and like, for no reason other than the fact that they were told a mask, what did you think they like read Joe Rogan articles or whatever? No, they just <laughs> instinctively were like, no, absolutely not. Um, but you know what? There's a lot of people that had really good opinions on the virus despite not having done any research, so it was really. It was a really cool thing to experience. Uh, another cool thing to experience in jail was actually the death of Kobe because okay. everybody who's like super hard all the time was like visibly upset. Ah, <laughs> oh. um, like a but, uh, Yeah, we were talking we... about, uh, y'all know about this Ed Sheeran, Marvin Gaye thing, uh, talking about old people coming in and like still surviving over the new, the new uh, era. Is this kind of like what happened with Robin Thicke? It's exactly like what happened with Robin Thicke, man. Marvin Gaye's estate loves playing some fucking copyright troll shit. Didn't they sell? Didn't they sell the like actual catalog to like a holding company or a private equity company, and they treat it as like an asset? Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, there's a million ways to make money. There's a Ed Sheeran song, which uh, what's the name of this song again? Thinking out loud, Ed Sheeran's 2014 hit is uh, being accused by the uh, by the custodians of the Marvin Gaye uh, discography of illegally sampling "Let's Get It On." Okay. And um, yeah, there's so there's definitely an argument to be made, but at the same time, it's like we're not inventing new chords. Yeah. Yeah, we're not inventing new like notes and stuff <laughs> for instruments. Like these things are gonna overlap at some point and all. Like it's been like what fifty years almost. Well, yeah, like, I mean, here's the thing, and I want to know what Drew thinks. But like, isn't this the entire point of the blockchain? Is that everybody can own everything, and that every time it's used, you receive proper credit uh, financially. Or whatever have you. So in this uh, Web3 utopia, this Marvin Gaye rhythm 
would be stored on the blockchain. And if Ed Sheeran were to use it, it would be able to be traced back to the proper owner. So that's what they say it should be. But in a lot of cases, um, actually in every case, rather, um, it's more just like, if you buy my thing, it's like a handshake agreement that you have the rights to it um, because everything is like most NFTs are just hosted on AWS, like Amazon web servers. Like the, it's not a decentralized thing. Oh God, here we fucking go. Yep. 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 Nerzy. Uh, it's, it's a web three podcast now. We should, um, we should fund this with Nerzy coin. Yep. Uh, no, that, <laughs> <Nersey> Kern. <laughs> that, that ship has sailed, man. Um, you can't, you're not allowed to make fake money anymore. Um, Buddy, you, you know how much I fake coin I just bought? Oh, goddamn. Yeah. What'd you say, Trey? I still got a profit on Doge. I got bought a bunch of that shit when it was at like a penny. Oh, nice. Yeah. I And I'm losing money on everything else. Except during, my traditional stocks. During like that boom, or during the like low, I kept buying so much shit and then i would freak out and sell it like a week later like i bought an entire ethereum for 200 bucks and then it went down 25 bucks and i was like fuck this i'm done you, oh you now nah, you hold i you gotta you gotta what did all the nerds say uh hodl who cares hodl. wait we were talking about music and cool shit why are we talking about web3 now is this gonna okay. Is Ed Sheeran and Marvin Gaye uh, preventable in a Web3 utopia, Drew? No. Also, you cannot change. Even if you have some shit on the blockchain that, you know, is automatic and trustless, they like to say, you cannot change. No bit of code can change human nature. And, like, what the people who are controlling Marvin Gaye's catalog right now um the legal arm or whatever uh they're basically saying okay marvin gay pioneered certain vibes that are that involve mm. some certain rhythms some certain chords but mainly it's just a vibe and so like if you make a song about fucking that happens to be kind of slow you're done you're done you can't do it and so marvin gay pretty much owns the rights to fucking yeah That's i mean true. like like the Strokes stole uh, the Tom Petty riff from the ding 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 whatever that song is. The Strokes stole a Tom Petty riff, and Tom Petty for last night, and like Tom Petty didn't give a fuck. Like that would be like saying Tom Petty has he owns the rights to the vibe of like accessible youthful rebellion you know um, no vice owns that vibe actually yes, yes. i'm mean, gonna have um, to sell that vibe in a fucking liquidation in fire sale, sale. <laughs> yeah what if they just change the c to a b uh, well mm. i think that ship sailed because it wouldn't be accurate anymore also vibe magazine is oh, not right, doing well thing, that's right right right, right. <laughs> Uh, they shuttered their print edition quite some time ago, I believe. <laughs> but 
Yeah. What if there were a Vice Vibe merger? That would be... Oh, dude, they would cover the shit out of this Marvin Gaye and Ed Sheeran thing, dude. <laughs> yeah. Or that would be like in Vibes. Ghostbusters Vibes. Yeah. Vibes. Okay. Is uh, uh is Ed Sheeran a noisy artist? Um, hmm, that's he has bad tattoos, but he's also very yeah. popular. But he's also like apparently one of the biggest ambassadors for UK uh, grime and drill across the world. Um, you know, it's it's it's. Uh, I, have a, I have a weekly call with my friend who's in jail. He's been in jail since nine eleven. And he asked Whoa. me to do something with the chat. G- like, yeah, he saw 9-11 happen on the, j- on the jail TV. Holy shit. Goddamn. And, yeah, he, he, the crazy thing is, like, there's a chance he didn't do it, but there's no sense in getting into it now. But um, he was asking me to get ChatGPT to write something about snuff bottles for him. What yeah, is, which is snuff like an, bottles? They're the, the things that um, people in asia back in the 1800s would do opium out of so they're kind of like little things uh, this guy makes money uh, while he's in jail by uh, bidding on auction houses like um soho or sotheby's what? so he'll get he'll get their catalog sent to him he'll download it on a floppy disk because that's the only technology you can get and then he will look through it and because he knows what the trends are because they move so slowly um he's able to like flip things from one auction market to another so uh snuff bottles was a thing that he was really into and uh he asked me to use chat gpt to write him something about snuff bottles and his mind was blown like he he understands the potential of it um immediately so you have a friend who is an antiquarian who has been incarcerated since at least uh, mid two thousand. Who yeah, is dude. like? And he think Fraser Crane, but he's been in jail the whole time. I want to ask what he did so badly, but I really don't want to know. Okay, do you want to? Do you, I'm going to tell you. He killed an antique dealer. What? Oh my but god. Here's the thing. Is allegedly. This, is this one of those lies you used to tell it that he really like when you told us they call Look it up. I, I looked it up. Okay. I got a phone in jail and looked it up. And and he and here's the craziest thing. He was convicted for murder without a body. The body was found a few months later, and the only reason they went so hard is because the antique dealer, his brother, was a cop. Oh my god. Yeah, bro. But there's like, there's no footage of this guy dragging the body out. There's like, um, their biggest tie to proof was like, there's blood in the back of the rental car. But it's like, it's a rental car. There's blood in the back of every rental car. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's not, that's not like enough to put a guy away. And he's maintained his innocence the whole time. Oh my God. And he's just been like, he's been grinding and hustling the entire time, just building his empire. And not only that, he's a sick baker. He makes like these eclairs that were awesome. So every Sunday I would go over to his range and I got a subscription to the New Yorker because uh, you can get a subscription to two magazines. So I got the New Yorker and the Economist. Every time I would finish with the New Yorker, I'd give it to him and we would then discuss it with tea every Sunday and like some kind of baked good. Canadian jail is just like. Man. Trey, I'm going to let you finish that because you were shaking your head too. <laughs> 
man. Man, dudes rock. <laughs> um, man, R.I.P. Vice, but also more importantly, R.I.P. Jerry Springer. Yes. Oh man. I mean, he's just that was just like a fucking. He was just a fucking guy, man. Did everybody kind of experience Jerry Springer the same way, uh, like after school? Oh no, Jerry Springer for me at least was like when you were home sick during the day. If it was like a half day at school, you came home and it was like after like the Price is Right or The View or like whatever fucking shows came on. It was like Maury and then uh, Jerry Springer, then Steve Wilkos. I mainly yeah. experienced a, a Jerry Springer sized vacuum in my life as a kid where like all my friends watch Jerry Springer and they'd be like, it's so crazy. There's so much crazy stuff happens, but my mom would never let me watch it. So oh, yeah, like, I, had I had to sneak it, but Jerry Springer was so sick, man. He would just like bring clan <laughs> members out and then half the crowd would like descend on him and just start beating the dog shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> Which like sometimes like, Stuff looked like it was planned, but, like, you weren't really sure. And I think that's, like, yeah, man, Jerry Springer's, like, the godfather of reality TV in some ways. He's also sick because he paid a hooker with a check. (laughs) (laughs) No, because, like, you know, nowadays you could just do that shit with, like, Ether or whatever. But, uh, like, he was really kicking the Ah, yeah, I guess cash. But, like, he's the mayor of Cincinnati. He doesn't keep that kind of cash on him. Yeah, wow. Um, didn't he like return to politics after the Jerry Springer show? I, I'm like, not really the person to ask about local American politics. Oh, and um, also Montel. Let me not forget Montel. Yeah. Montel. So who was who of those? So was Jerry like the most? Uh, the most oh, oh he was he was thing. like he was like the name like if you were talking about okay if you talked about sleazy radio it was howard stern if you talked about sleazy tv it was jerry springer and i think there was a while where like jerry was kind of the man you know that like few years when yeah drake's killing shit and all but then future went on that run mm. <laughs> yeah yeah jerry springer popped out like future <laughs> or it might be the other way around but like yeah it was like the two of them were just like neck and neck man who do you feel like is like the spiritual descendant of Jerry Springer? I would I would put my money on like the jackass guys. Honestly, I really hate to say this, but there's probably a YouTuber out there. Yeah. Or a Twitch streamer or somebody like Yeah, yeah. it's like they're not they're not as masterful at it or whatever, but like they it's like just that shock value TV. And I mean all the kids watch like youtube and twitch now there's got to be somebody out there like that it's not joe rogan i'm not giving him that no is it aiden ross i don't know who that is but just that name sounds prurient Uh, aiden ross is the smartest person to ever come out of florida (laughs) yeah yeah aiden ross is honestly bro the, uh, it's it's so bad anyway he okay so let me see if i get this straight because i got my story from some guy on discord so fact check me in real time he came up as a nba 2k professional competitive player who somehow got the chance to meet lebron james and that catapulted him to like the stratosphere in terms of uh online fame sure 
I don't know shit about this kid except that he can't read and uh, he is in love with Andrew Tate. Like, it's, yeah, that's the thing, man. At least Jerry looked like he could go out and, like, you know, command a room because he just has that kind of gravitas and that kind of, like, you know, holds himself a certain way. Like, yeah, it's kind of like Aiden Ross walks out there and he's, like, just a real attention seeker. Mm. Yeah, that's true. It, it always came to Jerry. He never had to seek it out. Yeah. Remember that episode of a? Uh, oh, I guess you guys wouldn't th- remember this, but there was an episode with the Wayans brothers of Jerry Springer. What? No. Yeah. Like, yeah. Where like what they were, were accusing they... each other of like wanting the same girl or whatever. That okay, wait. So it was bit. like scripted. Oh, this was pretty pretty clearly scripted. Like pops was in the. Uh, audience yelling at both of them like yeah this this was obviously he actually had a show up until a couple years ago called judge jerry where he adjudicated disputes oh like steve harvey oh, yeah he did do that didn't he yeah yeah and like and now it's like judge steve harvey or whatever what they replaced him with steve harvey Look, Steve Harvey has a show where he hears cases and he just makes that face all the time that he yep. does with you like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like like when someone gives a stupid answer on uh, family feud. Yeah. Hardest uh, working man in showbiz, man. Did you see him with a beard? Who, Jerry? No, Steve Harvey. Oh yeah, I saw that shit. He looks fucking good, bro. Yeah, it's uh, I'm really surprised at what his glow up's been like over the past few years. Like, because his suits used to just be like whatever, and like now the suits went from like being marginally better to it's like, oh, we got goddamn Met Gala going on over here. Yeah, you can't even insult Drake's dad by saying he dresses like Steve Harvey anymore. That's like a compliment. Yeah, that's a compliment. Yeah, I I've completely stopped. I've forgotten that Steve Harvey was like a cultural figure and so this is all very shocking to me right now you just yeah, show, his adopted show. daughter is very famous well that's the other thing he has the yeah it's like that's steve harvey's daughter who's she his daughter? Have a mustache yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it looks nothing like him imagine uh, Harry harvey with yeah, just like uh, a big ass mario and luigi mustache <laughs> Steve Harvey speaks with the Italian accent for an entirety of yeah, um, yeah. His daughter is Lori Harvey, who has dated and left a number of a uh, prominent, uh, prominent fucking athletes and actors and artists. Uh, just heartbroken. She wow. dated Future for a while. He mentioned her on a song after they broke up. Fucking, I don't know if you know who Memphis Depay is, but. He, uh, mm-hmm. soccer, Dutch soccer player. Okay. He, she had Memphis Depay walking around in a leather jacket with, like, her face uh, airbrushed on the back of it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Michael B. Jordan was out here buying her stocks and shit for Christmas. And, like, when they broke up, he his friends, like, took him to a basketball game or something. They put him on the Jumbotron. And I've never seen anyone, like, fighting back tears harder. Oh, my God. Yeah. She's with, uh, what's his name from Snowfall now? Damon Idris. Yeah. So this is just a woman who is like... She's just Hollywood's it girl, pretty much. I need her. Wow. And it's Steve Harvey's daughter. Adopted daughter. Adopted daughter. Wait, wait, she's adopted? Yeah. I didn't know that. 
So that's why she doesn't have the mustache. Yeah, that's, that's exactly. <laughs> it's like, yeah, so, okay. So um, I think that's a good amount for this first episode. We'll see how this keeps going and stuff and like just, you know, knock these out. It's always a pleasure talking to you too. Um, I would yeah. like to say one last thing, uh, a toast to Jerry. To Jerry. All right. I'm not actually going to drink this because this is like two days old coffee that I'm holding, but. Okay. Well, you know, cheers to Jerry. Cheers to you all listening for this long. And uh, yeah. Cheers to Vice. Huh? Cheers to Vice or. Yeah. Cheers Uh, to Vice. I'll pour out a marginal amount out for Vice. Um, More for Jerry. Gave me, yeah, more for Jerry. Um, but you know, like, no, the Vice thing really is sad, man. Gave me some good years of my life, and then yeah. just kicked me to the curb. But you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but um, then it gave the world Nersey, and yes. yeah, yeah, everybody who listens to Nersey loves it. So you're welcome. A phoenix always gonna rise from the ashes. Goddamn. True. All right. Yeah. Later, y'all. All right. Bye, guys. Till next time. <laughs>